Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the AEW Collision Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by another one of the godly boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on this weekend's episode of AEW Collision. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube, <sighs> where we do daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Collision, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh! Pay per views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete. A quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Sidgwick to review AEW Collision. Not Battle of the Belts, because no titles changed hands on there. Hey. And you know the rules. There's been nine shows of this. Unless there's a title change, we won't be reviewing the whole thing. I know this is the AEW equivalent of Skip Means Skip, but they are increasingly getting away with the Chris Jericho problem. Yeah. They are. It seems so blatant what they're trying to do, but my God, it gives me no pleasure to say this, but they are getting away with it. Um, I made the point right when Tony Khan was talking about X, when I was talking about Tony Khan and his vision for AEW and how excess has kind of harmed it. He's mm. given himself very little to do by embracing every form every genre, signing every wrestler, doing every gimmick match. And we reached a point where they last year thought, well, we haven't tried copying WWE's homework, so <laughs> let's do that. And I talked about setting rules, being disciplined, not as far as Triple H goes for my personal tastes, but just not doing this huge energy every single week and signing this wrestler, this wrestler. Like, at a time, you need to calm down a tad because when you calm down, and when you create rules for yourself and you hold themselves to those rules, that can, paradoxically, in, like encourage creativity mm. to think around, well, I've got this rule, we can't break it for good reason, how do we think outside the box and do something? Now, the rule that they've had imposed upon themselves is we can't have Chris Jericho in front of the live crowd because he will get booed. Right, this is weirdly sort of encourages sort of creativity that it gives me no pleasure to say, I must reiterate, is working for them, right? Yeah. Let's New Jack his music during a crowd brawl, brawl at dailies and people are jazzed and temporarily forgetting, all right, the song, the, the hard rock song that I like, even after four <laughs> years, that's <laughs> energizing me in the crowd. We're creating a hot angle, right? We should probably do a backstage brawl because Jericho can't be in front of the fans for that long because eventually enough people will boo him and that will 
you know, create the discourse all over mm. again. Let's do a pretty damn cool brawl, attitude era style, except Sammy Guevara is going to sprint up walls and do backflips, and it was super kick. They, again, are getting away with it. It gives me no pleasure to say, but that's what happens when you are forced to think outside the box. This is the worst possible example of it, but nonetheless, mm. it seems to be happening. Um, I wanted to talk to you about this show because of a tweet you fired And off. because it's our job. Yes. You tweeted, collision is dark with better matches and worse commentary. Yes. It was a little bit snarky and facetious, <laughs> but no, it's absolutely not untrue. You can make the argument about this episode, like most episodes of Collision don't really have big angles and minimal promos, which I find weird because Tony Khan, much like every other booker ever, does not have enough ideas for five hours of TV a week. It's yes. ridiculous. You're not going to get February 2020 or the summer of 2021 if it's five hours a week. You're just not getting it. Um, so his approach, and I don't hate It's kind of boring sometimes, but I don't necessarily think it's the worst. He doesn't think, right, I need an angle, 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 because he would just repeat himself a mm. lot, and he would burn through his ideas. So Dynamite is your angle-driven show, with a lot of matches, obviously, as well, but he does his main, the main bulk of his storytelling is more, like, it just feels way more episodic, Dynamite. Mm. This episode of Collision, you could miss. It feels like a very different two hours, doesn't it? Yes. As in, as in literally the time it takes you to watch it feels different. It's all, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... I, full disclosure, I saw your tweet before I watched the show. And right. As I was watching the show, I was like, yeah, that makes sense yeah. to what Sid said, and yeah. so does this, and yeah. He will book a collision like Dark, except with better wrestling and more names, and that's what it is. It's match. We can't have Dustin Rhodes fight for a title if he's not had a win. Give him a win over Willie Mack, and then he can challenge Christian in the back. And when did that? On which show did that used to happen? Yeah, it's very. Valid. I mean, that happens on Dynamite as well, to be fair. But it just doesn't have the same episodic feel. Mm. And I understand it's because no one has that many ideas for that much TV time. But I, I the thing about the reason why I use the dark analogy because it just felt like an episode of Dark, so I just said it. But it's match, 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 match. That's what this was. And you can make the argument it's not good television because it's television, the beast of television, exists to make you watch the next week. That's what it is. That's what episodic TV means at its core. You do cliffhangers, character development, whatever, these various techniques writers or bookers use to get you to watch the next week. There's nothing. M minimal. Minimal. To a certain extent, make you keep watching. Yes. Make you watch to the end of the two hours. Yes, exactly. I, uh, that's, oh, look, that's, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed... That's WWE's approach, the show-long storylines. Yeah, but like, aside from saying, well, later on, House of Black against uh, FTR and Daniel Garcia, there wasn't a great deal of like, stick around. Yeah. Yeah. It was, just, it was just dark, it was just match, 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 backstage promo, match, backstage promo, match. And it's not that good a television show, there's some really good wrestling on here. Oh yeah, I'm some really, really enjoying wrestling. the Cope Open. Is a thing. I'm not that much, but we'll get into that. Um, I was talking about other matches <laughs> on the show. Um, but I, it's just not inspiring mm. to me at all. You could have missed this. You could have missed this and read the results, and you just would not be lost at all. You would just not be remotely lost, nor would you have felt like you'd really missed out on something. There are listeners out there right now rolling their eyes, saying, did you not see that main event? But I have, with FTR quite a few times, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, 
And the commentary was just a way of encapsulating the take because Dark was very famous, or maybe infamous for its fun, irreverent yeah. commentary. And I really like Nigel McGuinness. I just don't like Kevin Kelly. I don't think he's a very good commentator. What's all the stuff with Diana Parazzo's name as well? I f- couldn't pronounce it, and then they kept jumping over it's each not, other. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. It's, again, it's... I wrote an article last year. It's still available on whatculture.com slash WWE. Not on the homepage. You'd have to look it up. Called um, The Truth Behind Wrestling Tribalism. And... The idea I tried to articulate is that tribalism is stupid at the best of times. So is the idea that you have to like everything. No, you mm. freaking don't. You're not wired to do that. Do you like? I've, to, I've again, me being me, I've used this facetious example before. Adam Wilborn. Do you like every motion picture ever made? No, you don't. No one does. There are tastes. Just how brains work. If AEW and WWE kind of borrowed from each other a little bit. You'd have one perfect wrestling promotion. <laughs> yes. With WWE, the idea was, and I know people, you know, jack it to the idea that Michael Cole um, is just uh, cutting loose. <laughs> he's kind of like got the, he's sitting down on the chair. <laughs> yeah. Like he's in the max. The chair's the wrong way around. How do you do, fellow kids? That just means I'm not a traditional kind of guy. I do <laughs> things differently. <sighs> right, yeah, he mentioned stardom once a month and everyone jacks it. <laughs> good, good for Michael Cole. But... The idea being is that sometimes they are too too freewheeling, the commentary in AEW, and it kind of removes, I don't know, focus. Yeah. Makes it feel a little bit too light, a bit too, I don't know. We could just do with, you know, keeping focus a little bit, being slightly less irreverent. Because I wouldn't want dark commentary on a television no, show. No, I wouldn't. I, Kevin Kelly, just winds me up, man. Well, let's dive into this show. Uh, Adam Copeland started the show for us, coming straight out. Thanking Norfolk uh, for bringing the heat. Can you pronounce it like we do? Norfolk, Virginia, isn't it? Yeah, right, like, yeah. no, our absolutely ridiculous American Norfolk. accent. Norfolk. Um, and he was answered this week by Lee Moriarty of Shane Taylor Promotions. Shane Taylor comes out with him and talks about how bloody great well, Shane Taylor Promotions is, and particularly Tiger Style. <laughs> They're not Lee, very good. They lose all the time. Tiger Style Lee Moriarty is. Um and they do a, a nice little video package to establish, do you know who Lee Moriarty and what I, Tiger Style is? Yeah. This just felt so shoehorned in. Hmm. They got this, I don't know, it just felt like an overcorrection to the criticism that they anticipated this match to get. Mm. Like, listening to the wrong people again. It is one of those ones where... You do I, this I, the I'm, week before. I'm guilty of... I'm guilty of a bit like you. We were talking uh, on the, the Q&A that we've just done on YouTube of... Don't get me wrong. If I was in charge, I'd book all the big matches straight away and then they'd get to the next pay-per-view and I'd be like, oh, bloody hell, I've yeah, all the yeah, big yeah. matches. But you talked about why haven't they done Kenny Omega versus Darby Allen? Why haven't they done... Uh, Danielson Darby versus Darby, Darby Allen. Yeah. If Adam Copeland says, I'll fight anyone on the AW roster, I get it. You're not going to automatically go, cool, have him fight all the top guys. But you want him to... F- I, I, I was anticipating more higher-up guys. Nothing against Lee Moriarty and Griff Garrison. More higher up guys. I know this is just the start of it, but just in case anything should happen, can we not smatter in a few big matches? Big yeah, we've been matches. here. We've been we've been here with Punk and Cody, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Um, I I didn't like. But this. then you wouldn't just you wouldn't just do it as an open challenge off the back of you'd tease it some way or another. Before we get to the actual match, I've got a few thoughts on it, so we might as well talk about yeah. this kind of book and philosophy or approach, if you like. One, I didn't like them doing the video package as they were doing the entrance. 
It just felt so shoehorned in. And I know it defeats the object of an open challenge to do... If you wanted to do a bit of video package in context as to why you should take Lee Moriarty seriously, what you do is you kind of book him on TV to begin with, maybe to have some wins or something. Mm. If you're going to try and tell, don't show that he's this really lethal young prospect. I don't believe that. I don't believe the video package because I've seen the reality and that is they don't care about Lee Moriarty. Whether they should or not, I personally think they probably should have done a bit more with him, but yeah. then... You run at the age old AEW problem at the detriment of what? Yes. To cash to get in a singles match, whatever, whatever, whatever. It just felt shoehorned in. It felt like they'd anticipated people who they shouldn't be listening to saying, oh, who's Lee Moriarty? Why should I care? Oh, you should care because he produced this video package. Well, I still don't care because he's got a terrible winning record and he's barely on TV, which indicates to me that you don't care about him that much. That's why I didn't like the video package then. It just felt like my mm. intelligence was being insulted. Second of all, um, just on uh, the idea of doing this match. We are four years in to AEW, and we have seen countless, countless iterations of established star name takes on yes. young up-and-comer. Whoever gets the rub, yeah, it's never as easy as that. The, you get the rub by getting over, producing consistently so the fans can get faith in you, being featured heavily on television subsequent to a good breakthrough performance so that it's a meritocracy. Someone really gets over. They get the chance to get over again and again and again. And if and when they get over, they just become a regular member of the cast. What realistically was this ever going to achieve? Mm. I'm not being. I'm not trying to be cynical. I'm saying that take because it's in, been informed by four years of... This not really working. And the worst thing is, it's like it gives me no real, again, no real pleasure to say this because I, I, I wish it worked this way. It just doesn't. Mm. It doesn't. We've seen it. Moriarty now, I'd be astonished if he got a regular TV slot over the next two or three months after yeah. this. I don't think we'll see him. Even if this match was, yeah, even if this match was awesome, right? And it wasn't. It was kind of just there and the lack of heat especially during certain parts, was pretty damning mm. on AEW's process, the way they've handled Amoriarty. But I, again, I don't want to, like, sort of bury Moriarty here because he could be anyone. He could be, you know, Griff Garrison. Where was he this week? Mm. Nowhere to be seen, you know, after last week. This shortcut to getting someone over, it's been five years, actually, and it's never, ever worked. Yeah. Like, Darby Allen would lose to Jericho, he would lose to Moxley. He would draw or lose narrowly to Cody. But the idea was he'd keep coming back every week. He'd be on the show every week. You were told, invest in Derby. He's losing now, but these defeats are getting narrower each time. He's going to beat Cody for that TNT title. That's why that worked. Putting someone in a match and having them lose, but giving them... There's, there's, it just felt pointless as I was watching it. Mm. Uh, well, let's get through the match. Uh, um Early mat game, obviously, when Lee Moriarty's trying to utilize that, and he actually uh, targets Copeland's arm after Copeland tries to suplex Lee back into the ring, but he dro drops the arm over the ropes. Um, Lee hits a shotgun drop kick back in the ring. We get a break, and uh, Moriarty's using the ropes to his advantage, and Shane Taylor's hitting a cheap shot. Um, Copeland fires back up, hits a reverse DDT for a near fall, um, but Moriarty yanked him down with an arm drag as he goes up top and puts him in the Border City stretch. Um, as Copeland gets to the ropes. 
Copeland knocks Moriarty down on the top rope. Avalanche fall away slam. Loaders up the spear, but uh, Taylor distracts him on the outside to allow Moriarty to hit a Yakuza kick. Copeland avoided a springboard, slides out, spears Taylor, hits a dive. Uh, Moriarty hits a dive onto Copeland and counters Edge's crossface into another Border City stretch. Copeland gets out of that, that though. Hits a big boot and a backbreaker. He puts on the uh, crossface now called the Grindhouse to get the submission win. And post-match, he gets on the mic and says, TNT champion Christian Cage, I'm still coming for your scrawny ass. I, it was fine. It was solid. It wasn't making me do cartwheels. They told a nice little story. And I'm trying not to sound so patronizing that. Um, it just didn't do a great deal for me. Sure. I don't think Copeland's that great on the ground. I don't know if it was a styles clash. I will say that even though they did it twice, two times Tony was at it again because this was done better realistically in the page JD Drake match later. The use of Shane Taylor on the outside did create these moments of drama mm. and dare I say doubt. And the bit that led to the dive was really well done. Um... I want to mention two things because there wasn't much else to say other than it was a 60-40 match, I guess, the likes of which just never really work. So I just felt like, uh, I don't know, I feel like time is being a bit wasted here. Um, so I earned the, the use of Taylor, which I thought was strong. Nigel McGuinness was trying desperately to say he's got his submission finish in the middle of the ring. We could see an upset. His, he was louder than the audience, like drastically <laughs> yes. so. Like the audience just did not buy for once the idea that Moriarty was going to actually beat him. And you know what? Every now and then, maybe half the time, they do these star versus prospect, mid-card hand, veteran, whatever. There's usually a near fall where you think, oh, Christ. Yeah. Like Trenton Kingston last week. This never reached no. that, ever. There was a count-out tease in this match, correct, or have I forgot? I think you might be right there, yeah. There was a count-out tease, and the production was just horrendous. Yeah. The idea is you should shoot this in such a way that makes it feel, seem, look like Copeland is miles away from that ring with less than a second to spare and has to rush in. Is it a camera cut? <laughs> Are you joking? That's the opposite of what you should be doing. You should be doing some kind of shot and and not erring from that and then capture how long the distance is between where Copeland is and the promised land of getting back in the ring. You do not, on a count-out tease between 9 and 10, do a cut. No. Abysmal. We get a video package of last week's attack from the House of Black and then FTR and Daniel Garcia are backstage with Lexi Nair. Harwood says, uh, you know, Interesting team, this. Don't know if we're going to get along. Wheelers, that will be fine. Tonight's about revenge. Dak says, we all have the same mindset. We all yeah. love... Um, this business! <laughs> I thought you'd written this program. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're not a friend, but the enemy of my enemy is my friend. You, you dig And they're going to love the fight tonight. And Garcia said, look, I need to be on collision to grow as a wrestler, and I'm going to make the House of Black pay for attacking me and the people I care about. Yep. Boiler player FTR. Um, then we get a back, another backstage promo with Lexi Nair, this time featuring um, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. And Lexi Nair says, Sammy, you're the only man in AW history to win a title of Battle of the Belts. Why like, would you say, say that? that? There's been nine of them. Uh, Jericho says, look, Big Bill and Ricky Starks have been excellent champions, but tonight we're going to fulfill our destiny. We'll seek and destroy, and we'll walk out as Les Champions. Did they, Matt Hardy? No! 
No, no, no. I was worried when I watched this because it felt close to the babyface promise. I'm like, don't. Yeah. Don't. I mean, you stick to plans. But if you <laughs> did have a plan to strike with Jericho, I would deviate from that plan <laughs> right now. Yeah, they didn't win the. They did some mad spots, like you say, but uh, they didn't win titles. No one did. Uh, no titles ever switch hands at Battle of the Belts. It's ridiculous at this point. Um, but then they, do you know what I thought was really funny as well? They had this tag match that came next, the six man, and I thought, Tony Khan has the opportunity to do something really funny here, and that's do a sw- title switch on the show before Battle of the Belts. Yeah. When no one, they didn't, but uh, you got uh, the Mogul Embassy, Bishop Khan, Brian Cage, and Toa Leona, the uh, ROH six man tag champs, taking on Lance Archer. And. <laughs> Righteous, Dutch and Vincent, uh, with Jake Roberts, of course. Um, big lad battle to start. Actually, that doesn't really narrow it down. Um, Lance Archer and Brian Cage battering each other. Cage hits Archer with a suplex, a head scissor, and another German suplex. Um, and Archer comes back with a crossbody that takes out both Cage and uh, Bishop Khan before tagging in Vincent, who hits Khan with a back elbow. Eventually, they all pile in. It all goes wild. That takes us to our break. When we come back in... Um, Dutch runs co- uh, Bishop Khan over with a crossbody. Bishop Khan fights his way out, uses Vincent to springboard into a drop kick to Dutch, but Archer comes in to cut him off. Dutch cleans house, big dive out to the floor. Archer sets up Bishop Khan for the blackout, but uh, Prince Nana holds on to Bishop Khan's foot in the corner. So Jake Roberts lays out Prince Nana with a punch. The righteous hit at their double T move for a nice near fall. The embassy cut off Autumn Sunshine from the floor. Khan sends, uh, Bishop Khan sends Vincent into a big pounce, which looked awesome. Um, they hit the uh, double team, open the gates on Vincent. Lance Archer just set, gets in to break it up. Um, and in the end, it's Vincent and Bishop Khan in the ring. They reverse each other quite a few times. Um, but Khan hits a pedigree to get the one, two, three. They retain the tag titles and post-match. Prince Nana says, here we have the, ROH, the greatest ROH six-man tag champs of all time. Uh, Bullet Club Gold, aka the Bing Bing Ging. Um, they're talking on Dynamite about wanting more gold, but Jay White couldn't even beat Swerve Strickland in the Continental Classic, but he lays out the challenge for Dynamite. Mogul Embassy versus the Bing Bing Gang for the ROH six-man titles. I had a lot of fun with this. Yeah. More than I expected, because I don't necessarily think the Righteous are great, but I do think the Gates of Agony are great, and they've got these ridiculous, like, dumb <laughs> power hoss double team spots that I just find really fun. Archer and Cage is a nice interaction. And it's talking about the Copeland Moriarty match that I just never thought anything other than the expected result was going to happen. They got me with a save here. Yeah. Where they actually adhered to the rule every wrestling fan says you should do. Let's keep the goddamn camera still. And because it was still, you could not see Cage come in to break up the pinfall. Um so I thought that was really, really, really well done. It helps that Cage has got like that shoot injury. So you yeah. just think, all right, they're getting him out of the way. Yeah. Um, so that was a bit of inadvertent drama. But like this epidemic with camera cuts in US wrestling, there must be some kind of research or something where there's this really weird business reason why they do something, even though every wrestling fan audibly, vocally doesn't want them to do it. Must be like the rock over Cody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every wrestling fan wants it to go one way, but they're kind of lying to themselves because they'd rather see Roman versus Rock. What is it about the camera cuts in every, in both WWE and AEW? Like, 
everyone watches New Japan. No, well, they don't. Everyone who watches New Japan realizes that's the way to do it. Yes. Is it just because they think that, oh, you know, wrestling fans, they're a bit stupid. They're lucky they get a product because they don't buy the, the, the stuff that advertises hawk <laughs> at them. Is it, oh, they don't have attention spans. Just keep cutting, cutting, cutting. Is, that, is, is it an extension of that mentality of this total condescending loathing of the audience, the contempt they have for yeah. our intelligence? Is, does that explain why there's so many camera cuts on US wrestling television? I'm trying to get to the bottom of it because I'm praising this match for its camera work, but it's very rare that I get the opportunity to do that. Mm. It's uh, one of those things that happens every single week, but you do become numb to it. Yes. But every now and then I fancy a rant. That count out <laughs> was ridiculous in that first friggin' match. I should say later on as well, Bullet Club Gold were backstage saying, oh, everyone's got a bit comfortable. Um that the uh, collision cowboys around to keep everyone in check. Um, and basically, they accept the challenge for Mogul MC for Dynamite. Yeah. Not the title match. There's going to be a third one coming in a bit. Um, no title matches here. <laughs> in amongst all this, <laughs> Pre- Preston Vance, yeah, was uh, backstage <laughs> ahead of his uh, international title match that was going down on Battle of the Bales. Uh, he didn't win. Uh, Orange Cassidy retained because, of course, he was always going to. Um, but in came Roderick Strong in the kingdom to wish him luck. And he said, oh, piss off, I don't want your luck. Uh, I'll kick your ass any day of the week. And so I thought, I wonder if they interfere in the finish. They didn't. They just came up afterwards. Yeah, yeah, Cool. Cool. Um, then it was time for Dustin Rhodes versus Willie Mack. Orange Cassidy doesn't really feel that big a deal. You know no. when everyone was saying, all right, he's headlined all out against Moxley. He was re- he's like the hottest, one of the hottest things in the promotion at that time. That go-home promo before All Out was awesome. I'm Orange Cassidy, and I don't have a catchphrase. And people thought, right, we've got to start booking him like he's a big top star. And they haven't. They're just going to take the title off and put it on Roderick Strong pretty soon, in my opinion. I would say so. But I, it's just an, uh, another one where it felt like, right, go with him way more than you are, or keep him in the mix as much as you are. And now he's just, I don't know. Early don't know. title challenger for a swerve title reign. That's something they could do. That's what I do. Oh, my God. Wilborn. She's going to be butter, baby, on her roll. Can you remember their chemistry at the Double or Nothing Casino Battle Royale? Yes. That finish was unfriggin' believable. Oh, oh yeah. They've got chemistry. Um, next Didn't year, they have a dynamite match subsequent to that as well? Possibly, that was pretty yeah. awesome. Because we talked about like the unorthodox styles of both. Yeah, of them. I do remember if they did, it obviously wasn't as good as that Casino Battle Royale exchange because I was, I was in that building and it was godly. Mm. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. 
Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. So, yeah, we got Dustin Rhodes versus Willie Mack next. Um, they just beat the crap out of each other early on, just big lads just swinging for each other. Uh, Dustin got a near fall off that kneeling punch of his. Willie Mack came back, loads of chops, hit a running kick and a standing moonsault for a niffle. Always astonishing watching Willie Mack work. Love him. Uh, he went for the frog splash, but Rhodes managed to avoid it. He hit a Canadian destroyer and a snap power slam. Oh, my God. For a near fall. Uh, and in the end, Dustin Rhodes hit the crossroads in the final cut to get the one, two, three. A nice show of respect afterwards as well. Aye. Again, dark adjacent fair. But I enjoyed it. I had yes. some time with it. You know that... Um, Internet cliche. I'm a simple man. I see X. I'm happy or whatever. I'm not I'm a dickhead with pedantic discerning tastes. However, I'm a simple man. When I see Dustin Rhodes do a Canadian Destroyer, I just pop every yeah. single yeah. freaking time. He's been doing it for five years. And I'm still like, you're old. And you're doing a move that got invented a decade after your career started. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Even when He's it's, awesome at it as well. He knows when to do it. Even when it's like, you know, sometimes you think... For certain, I'm sure you get this mainly with like Kenny Omega. Oh my God, he's in that position. If he does this, this, and this, then he can do that. This match, it was like Willie Mack went, Oh, my bloody tummy. Yeah. You're like, Well, he's perfectly in position for Canadian yeah. Shore, but I didn't care. I loved it. Um, you see Hook entering the building in amongst uh, all these uh, backstage promos and what have you. And Dustin Rhodes later on is there with Renee. Uh, immediately gets interrupted by Christian Cage and the patriarchy. Uh, and Cage says, If you're a friend of Adam Copeland, you're an enemy of mine. And Rhodes says, You better take that depth out of your voice when you're talking to me. Um, I've been chasing that TNT title yours since day one, and I want it really, really bad. If you've got the balls, show me how big and tough you are this Wednesday. And Cage says, hmm, sounds like a dream. be a bigger dream if your dad wasn't dead. It's really low-hanging fruit, but it's Christian it's, Cage. It's, 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 he can't not do it now. Um, Imagine being Christian Cage. Yeah. It's like, all right, I've got myself in a position where me doing this is over. Can I talk about your dead dad? Yeah, he's also. Does he like so much? There's so many people. Uh, it's, just there's just so many to choose from. Of just like people who suffered horrifically, and you should never make light of it, unless you're Christian Cage. That is. That's and it's allowed. kind of my running gag now. Yeah. Just how does he? Have you it? had a bereavement? Fantastic. I just I find it fascinating. I've told the story before, but like. I have spoken to a wrestler because it fascinates me. Like, how do you broach the subject of, I have to say something unconscionable to you to make the paying public think that we hate each other mm. or whatever. And I don't want to spring it on you. Yes, obviously. So, like, how does it go? And this wrestler said to me, well, with very mixed results. Some people are like, I'm a professional. This is the job that I do. Don't even ask politely. Or, you know, you don't even have to ask. Yeah. Say whatever the, you want about me. Let's make these people let's think. Let's draw. Yeah. Let's draw. Let's make people think we hate you. Let's make something of this. The other one where it's like, I'm not sure you can do that. Don't do that move to me. Um, don't say that about me. Yeah. I, so I do not know what business you're in. Anyone who listened to, to Wrestle Culture last week, which is still well worth checking out, yeah, yeah, yeah. will know there was a period on that where Siege explained to me the 
gauntlet that he runs on a daily basis on the train. And I just said, oh, I couldn't, that's not me. I can't do that. I just, I just suffer, basically. So when you said, when you first told me that story about how wrestlers go about it, in my head, I reverse engineered it that, like, if me and you were feuding, for example, I just volunteer information to you. You can say this about me or this about my family or this about my previous relationships or t- matches or whatever. I never thought it'd be you texting me going, your title match kind of sucked. Can I mention that? Yeah. Like, I, 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 you'd get no messages from me. I'd just go, oh, okay, we'll just go out there and you can just uh, destroy me verbally and I'll just not say anything back then. Probably. Yeah, yeah. So it's insane that people would request... I'm all right talking about your dead dad, aren't I? What? Imagine sending that as a message. Wrestling's mad. But, um, yeah, he says, uh, yeah, dead dad. Um, But your dad was a legend. No one says that about you, though. (laughs) And Dustin was like, I'll kick your ass. Christian is just the best and continues to be the best. One problem with this, one major problem. Didn't hear enough from Nick Wayne's mind for me. As a mother. (laughs) For me, as a mother. All promo time. Great. Uh, where are we? Oh, Hangman Page's AW Collision debut. It's rocked. Very, very, I think they picked very well in terms of an opponent here. Just visually, just working. Worked really well. It was JD Drake. We, you know I love JD, JD Drake. JD Drake is awesome. This uh, match kicked ass. Just batter each other with forearms to start. Uh, Page hit a moonsault to a standing Drake and then a sh- running shooting star press for a near fall early on. He drop kicks Drake off the apron. Drake. Into (laughs) into Anthony Henry, who's there. Um, But Henry saves his man, pulls him out of the way of a dive. So Drake does that bit where he throws him into... Every time. Throws him into... So they're on the outside, if you didn't see this. They're on the outside. He throws him into the ropes. So he sort of bounces off and just forearms him. I love that because he's got the brute strength to make it look like it's not cooperative. No. Obviously, with every single move, there is Paige doing a bit of a jump. Mm-hmm. But because JD Drake is like such a unit, you can believe that he's lifting these people up yeah. at their will. And like, think about it, you're getting thrown like against ropes where you can't really control yourself. You're going to eat a forearm. Yes. It's, when you're in that, there's nothing you can really do. You can't yeah. counter that easily. And I'm sure that it, they'll have it's said. not like I'm throwing someone into the ropes. I hope they don't come back at me with a move with the loads of the momentum they've generated. Yes. You know what I mean? It's and like it, you're getting just thrown at an acute distance. You can't do anything with that. And it must like it must suck because in, fair play to him. JD, JD Drake's man, he doesn't know how much they're going to bounce back off. So he's going to have to lay it in closer so he doesn't just completely whiff it, especially because they're going to do a break off the back with So if you do bounce off quite a lot, you're like, oh, I'm really flying towards yeah, this yeah. forearm. Anyway, that took us to a break. Um, in among, I think it was during the break, actually. Jesus. Anthony Henry took Angman Page's head off with a lariat on the floor, which was really good. Drake, Drake had taken the referee. Oh, is this the count out tease? Maybe. That might be it. That might be it. That might be it. Um, Page hit a high crossbody to come back for a near fall. Multiple clotheslines and a Death Valley driver for a two count. But he can't get him up for the dead eye, so he just back dropped him over and o- up and over. He, uh, Paige getting fed up with Anthony Henry getting involved, takes a swing at him, but that allows Drake to hit a huge belly-to-belly that looked awesome. Uh, he also hit a cannonball in the corner. Paige dodged the moonsault, though, uh, and um, as J.D. Drake was recovering, Paige dropped, well, hit uh, Anthony Henry on the outside with a moonsault, jumped back up on the apron, 
Buckshot Larry at one, two, three. He's back, isn't he? He's back. He's back. This was absolutely tits. Great little TV match. Um, I, I don't know why I like this so much more than the opener, even if in terms of the dynamic, the layout. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they were doing an arm match in the opener, and this was more of a shootout. Yes. More strike heavy. Um, more of a brawl, I guess. But in terms of the dynamic where you have an established star versus someone on the up or someone who just gets infrequently used, which is what J.D. Drake is, it should be more. But at the moment, it's someone who just gets used every now and then. Maybe this is just a way better match. A way better mm. match. Um, but Anthony Henry on the outside was killer in his role. Yeah. What a smash and grab it looked like. It didn't look like the sort of obligatory interference he just looked like he, he really picked his spot. He mm. timed everything perfectly. That swipe was just like, if you don't jump, <laughs> get your ankles sort of swiped here. Really, really great stuff. The match itself was just proper, physical, believable, shootout stuff. Didn't outstay its welcome. Didn't need to go that long for the sake of it. Page is just such a great wrestler. He just measured exactly what to do with the mm. time. There was no flab on this whatsoever. He didn't feel like he was lowering himself no. to Drake's level no, no, at no, all. No. Oh, it was just really well done TV wrestling this. Then we got Deanna Parazzo's AW debut. She was facing Red Velvet, and the story of this match was don't let her get your arms, basically. Yeah. Um, About our match in the opener. Yeah. Velvet got a step up arm drag earlier, but then perhaps they just snatched her into an arm bar. And Velvet's like, oh, bollocks, quick, get to the ropes. Um, there was also uh, a Koji clutch from uh, Gianna Parazzo that Velvet had to get out of it with a pin. Um, and then Velvet snapped Diana's arm over the ropes, targeted that, nailed her with body shots. Uh, Parazzo traded boots with her. She hit a ru- side Russian leg sweep, put her in the Fujiwara arm bar. Velvet again tried to counter by using it a ru- by using a roll up, but Parazzo kicked out and then got the Venus de Milo double arm submission that looked great mm. for the win. Oh my god! Made a statement here from Parazzo. I thought. Yeah, I thought this was really, really strong. Incredibly well judged. Uh, Buchan of a debuting character. She made pretty short work of Red Velvet, which is really good because you don't want on your first appearance to look like you just. In amongst it, going 50 yes, yeah. working matches. You want to feel like a game-changing presence, capable of putting someone away handily, like you are a force to be reckoned with. It was just above that level of squash, which is fine because Velvet, they've invested in a... Yeah. Um, like, there were certain elements where you thought, oh, my God, if she gets that on, she's in serious trouble, which is good because it's at work, and you want to think that it isn't. When you're locked in the spell, I got enough of that. That finish is amazing, but there was a bit where it looked like Red Velvet had Parazzo in a hold, mm. and it just instantly changed the momentum. It's like, no, it's nowhere near that easy when you're dealing with someone like me. This is a really good introduction, um, especially when you're a worker of Parazzo's style, where these matches can often feel longer. Yes. Um, because it is quite similar. You are going hold for hold. They're not bombastic by design. This just felt like a killer had made economical work of her opponent. I had a lot of time for this. I thought it was a strong introduction for the character. That finish looks like pure agony as well. It, it reminded me of Ronda you Rousey. Literally, you literally can't escape. Yeah, it reminded me of Ronda Rousey when I'd heard about her in the UFC, and everyone's like, she just armbars everyone. I was like, we well, can't armbar everyone. everyone. Every fight starts on their feet. And then it was like, the fight I watched, it was like, person ran at her, got dropped on the ground and armbarred in like 20 seconds. Yeah. 
And I was like, obviously not the same speed here, but it was like, you leave an arm flailing and Dion is going to grab hold of it and bend it and then do both of them. It's like, well, you know, now I can't even use one of my arms to try and get out of this. I'm just getting bent double. It's awesome. Yeah, really good stuff. And you can already start envisioning, you know, Thomas Tony Storm potentially having to fight out something like that. Anyway, next up, the hook bat symbol went up. Well, this is new this year, isn't it? I think so. Have we not just missed it? I love it. It's great. I think... I mean, you could sell it as merch. If I'd put a little hookback symbol as like a, a little nightlight. Oh, there you go. Hookback symbol. <laughs> How much did that cost to produce, Will Bourne? <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the light's on. Kevin Matthews is waiting for him in the ring. Uh, Hook comes down, obviously, to hype up uh, his match with Joe on Dynamite this week, which we'll talk about on Wednesday. Um, Matthews tried to sneak attack Hook. He just moved. Sent him flying with a suplex. Followed him out to the floor, hit an exploder on the ramp. Chucked him back in, cross face strikes, red rum. Thank you very much for coming. Yeah, what can I say? <laughs> dark. Yeah. Dark. The second of two matches on the show designed to give a wrestler vying for a title a win on the TV show next week, even though this was a TV show. But I just, I very, very, I, the worst thing is like, sorry, go on. What you I was just going to say, I love Hook, obviously, and I, I'm not getting involved in the bloody stupid discourse of like, oh, why is he getting a title shot? Because he's 29 yeah, and 1, yeah, correct? Title record. Uh, his win percentage, sorry. He's uh, like, a better contender than most people who get title shots in AW. Like, if he disappears now, for off the back of presumably losing to Joe, in a month's time, Adam Copeland goes, who's going to fancy, who fancies the Cope open and the lights go out and the bat symbol. I'm like, oh my God. Yes. I'll be looking around at arenas. You know, like you used to, when we were slightly less knowledgeable, and you'd go and be like, is there any pyro on the, the thing? Because if that, I mean, game. Now I'll be looking around, like big torches just pointing yeah. at the, <laughs> point yeah. the ceiling. Anyway, main event. Sorry, time. one thing oh, before sorry, the main yeah. event. Right. The reason why I've got a little bit of an issue with this episode of Collision, and, you know, a lot of collisions, even though the in-ring output tends to be great because, like, the roster, look at it. I used to make the argument, right, in 2019, that AEW is better than NXT. One, it just kind of is at the moment. Yeah. Two, the thing that kind of made me drift away from NXT was because I genuinely think I could have booked it. I don't fancy myself as this great fantasy booker. I don't. Like, I think it's a really hard job. And maybe I should make that a little bit more plain on these podcasts, a bit, bit, bit more explicit. Because I used to watch, I could never in a million years have booked February 2020 Dynamite. Mm-hmm. Or like the very best, I could never book Punk versus MJF. Or like every little tiny step of the page and make a story. I think it's borderline. You talk about like Ghetto doing the G1, for yeah. example. Yeah. I, like, I think it's borderline arrogant to say, oh, it's it's easy. It's, you know, A to B booking. It's like, no, you're reducing it and you're being a bit arrogant because you couldn't do it. NXT, I think I could have booked that because yeah. it just wasn't ambitious. It was very A to B. It makes sense to do this. It makes sense for this person to win that title because that wrestler's going away. Like Triple H with NXT did have the easiest gig where he didn't have to have, all right, you're under contract for five years. We're in year three now, and I don't know what to do. That's exciting. To, to, he had the ultimate. Yeah, he, he had a territory. Yeah, he had a territory, which is easier to book than a promotion. Um, another same thing, but people will hopefully know what I mean. Yeah, I could book Collision, and that's I find that a little bit boring. You yeah. know what I mean? There's nothing that there's no left field turns. There's no huge emotional undercurrent to what they're doing. 
it's a show I could book, and I feel like uh, I feel to show a lot of people could book as well, and it lacks that must see verve mm. flair element to it. Well, the main event was uh, the House of Black, Brody King, Buddy Matthews, and Malachi Black taking on FTR and Daniel Garcia. Daddy Magic on commentary. Love him on commentary. Um, Harwood and Matthews start us off, um, but the big thing early on was Garcia ducking a head kick and sitting cross-legged to taunt Malachi Black. And for a split second, I felt like an idiot afterwards, I thought, Malachi Black going to do I the dance? I wanted him to bust a groove. And I was just... desperate to see it. Flips off um, Garcia. In the end, uh, Garcia and FTR clear the ring, and they all do the cross-legged one and flip them off. Uh, I think that takes us to a break. Yeah, it does. And First to two, I think. Garcia. What's wrong with one? <laughs> send Matthews over the top rope with a hip toss when we came back. Wheeler and Brody King come in. Wheeler runs wild, um, but they can't drop Brody King until Wheeler and Harwood do the, the high-low spot on him. And even then... He's still awake. He sits up. He gets chopped. It just winds him up. Uh, and he hits a huge choke bomb for a two count on Dax Harwood. Harwood uh, got isolated throughout the next break. He's stuck in House of Black's corner. He drops Matthews with a DDT, though. Um, escapes Malachi Black. Gets Garcia and Garcia runs wild. Matthews and Black get sent to the floor. King tried to choke Garcia out, but Garcia used King's bad hand to take him out of the ring. Um, a big dive from Wheeler Utah. Garcia hit a brain buster on Malachi Black for a near fall. And he gets King in a guillotine choke. But King just, get off me. FDR managed to help Garcia hit a triple team spike pile driver. Then there's just a move train. Everyone getting hit with big bombs. It ends with Malachi Black dropping Garcia with a head kick. Um, triple superplex is a set, set up, but everyone fights out. Garcia's got Black on his shoulders and Harwood hit the Steiner Super Bulldog. Uh, for a nice near fall. FDR set up for the powerplex, but when Cash Wheeler gets knocked down, Garcia goes up to take his place. Harwood hit the superplex, but uh, when Garcia went for the splash, Malachi Black gets his knees up. He puts a knee bar on Harwood off the back of that. Harwood has to get to the ropes. Uh, Garcia and Wheeler are just getting taken out on the outside. That leaves Dax and Malachi in the ring. Uh, Malachi Black also moonsaulting onto Daniel Garcia, whilst Matthews hit a series of power bombs on Dax. Um, he finally flips into a pin for a near fall and hits a pile driver for a nice two count. In the end, though, with the rest of the gang taken out, the numbers catches up to Harwood. King distracts from the apron. Malachi Black hits Black Mass on Dax Harwood and he falls over into a big curb stomp from Buddy Matthews for the one, two, three. The House of Black celebrate and then decide, actually, we're going to kill poor Daddy Magic as well. FTR and Garcia make the Super save. Supergrouping coming. FTR makes the save with the chairs, and uh, they hit a triple team shot machine on Brody King to close the show. J A F T R. <laughs> That's a really good. I liked this match. I A T R. Appreciate being vulnerable. Correct. I don't know. I like this without loving it. You can follow me at M. Sidgwick. <laughs> if you don't want me to do my thing, that I do with certain Dax Howard matches. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not this... I don't put myself in this place where I ardently, staunchly refuse to put it over because I think Dax Howard's quite a cynical wrestler and what he chooses to do, how he structures his matches, what the purpose of his match layouts are to do and how much that might collide with his 
supposed values as a pro wrestler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because last week, you will recall that I thought FTR versus two members of the House of Black, Malachi and Buddy, was pretty damn awesome. Oh, yeah. They didn't miss the peak. Despite our apprehension at the time it started. Yes. How long did this match go? Uh, I've got it written down here. I can look it up, but I do remember. It felt long. I looked at the clock and went. I looked at the clock. It started like, I think they were making their ring entrance. This is like one hour 31. This is the second TV match in what I imagine to be a trilogy, probably. Yes. They might do a, they might do a gimmick six a gimmick trios given the post match here and the fact that they've gone one one, right? Twenty four thirty seven. It didn't need to go twenty five minutes. <laughs> this did not need to go twenty five minutes. It just didn't. And I will say that Unlike other FTR matches that I thought went long for long's sake, if you want to be charitable and, you know, maybe as objective as you can be when reviewing a subjective medium, they had the crowd the entire time. Oh, yeah. Okay? The crowd was pretty hot on a night when they weren't really up for a lot of this, and it was one of those collision, you know, not great attendances. So they had the crowd, but they didn't subjectively have me. 25 minutes for part two of a TV feud. I just didn't need to go this freaking long. Like, there are main events on pay-per-views that I don't think need to go 25 no, minutes. No, that no. is a long time. And there was just a bit where, it was funny enough, in the last eight minutes where I'm thinking, I'm just zoning out a little bit. Mm-hmm. You're doing a lot of big moves. You're doing a lot of saves and the like, and it's breaking down again where I just thought, right, I don't think you need to do this. Mm. The crowd in the building are having a great time with it. Fair enough. The individual action and the timing and the way you're executing everything is nigh on flawless. There was loads of drama, loads of noise. Some of it looked killer. I continue to just love Daniel Garcia, and I liked his brief spirit in mm-hmm. Salvo, specifically uh, when he um, did the low bridge on Brody King. That was awesome. He's got, he's, like he's got his number almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's his bogey wrestler. Yeah. I really like that thread, the continuity. There was lots to really like about this. I just thought, I know why you're going 25 minutes, and you. Tell me that you don't like it when wrestlers chase Star. Ah, piss off with it. <laughs> it just my your mileage will vary on yes, this kind of match. I think it maybe got overpraised. I think Dax Harwood's a hell of a worker yes. in a lot of senses of the word. He's an excellent wrestler. I feel like he's cynical, which puts me off personally half the time. Half the time he's absolutely goaded. Last week he was great. Um but is like oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's just a bit much for me. Mm. It's a bit much for me. There's just a disconnect. Yeah. A total disconnect with a lot of what Dax Harwood does in that ring. Um, and he, I'm, I was thinking about this, right? Should I... I don't know. Is it because I follow him on socials and I used to read his podcast, and I, uh, listen to his podcast, and I know how much he wants you to think he's good? If I didn't yeah. know this about the person behind the persona and how Dax much... was Hook. Yeah. If Dax was hooked, would I watch these matches and have that same opinion? Is my are my takes about what he does bell to bell too like informed too much by what I know he wants me to think about his matches, right? If I just didn't know this, would that thought process materialize in the work or am I projecting mm. it onto Oh, you're doing another near fall. You're doing another near fall. Or would I simply get wrapped up in it? And then I thought, isn't it not Dax Howard's job to an extent to not do this? Yes. 
to make it like to not make himself appear desperate. Who's at fault here? Is it me for having that perspective informed by him, or is it him for just not letting the work speak for himself? And he should should he do should I not follow him on socials, or should he do more show and not tell? Mm. Would I watch this belt to belt and think what an awesome twenty five minutes? I don't know where that line is, truthfully, but I do think there is that element of you don't need to go 25 minutes mm. in every one of your TV main events. I agree. But let us know your thoughts on that. And I'm the interested show. in that. Put that out to the listeners. At What Culture WWE on X, you can follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all, as I said, at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from uh, for daily wrestling podcasts. The SmackDown review and the Raw preview are both available as podcasts right now to listen to. Uh, we'll be back, of course, on Wednesday to look ahead to that amazing looking AEW Dynamite um, with all the bloody title matches. Dynamite looks awesome this week. Stacked, isn't it? Yeah. Rhodes versus Cage is going to rule. But for uh, for now, uh, this has been the Collision Review. My thanks to Michael Cedric. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.